Welcome to the Fight for Together podcast. I'm your host, Ben. I'm your co-host, Cammie. People want me to be a co-host, So all these people say they want you to be the (laughs) co-host, but I feel like we need a special guest. Oh, I see. Well, how about I'm the co-host and special guest every week? No, I can't do that. And, And I feel like people don't understand how special a guest is. If, especially if they're a special guest. Mm. Well. They cease to be special if they're there every week. No. I, don't, I mean, you're married, I'm married to you every week, but you're not less special. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Well, we're still going to sort this out. But in the meantime, for those of you guys that are new, welcome. Welcome. I am Ben. I'm Cammie. And we have six kids together and podcast about our life. And not to brag, but we're told that we're um, real. Authentic. And I would agree with that. And that's what we strive for. So we talk about things that we're learning and things that we're going through in our marriage and with our kids and if you've been here for any amount of time you know that we also talk quite a bit about our faith and our religious cultural background which I'm trying to careful how I phrase that because I wouldn't even call that faith Mm-mm. necessarily oh yeah no that's a trigger word for me. Well, that's a trigger <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, What's the trigger word? Oh, faith. Oh, faith. Just the whole word faith? Uh, not because f- there's anything wrong with the word. It's the baggage for me that comes with the word. <sighs> so here we have Earth Tone Logair says, <laughs> Cami equals co-host equal partner for this endeavor ben you can be the creator producer and director but i consider her just as much of a host as you joe seven likes <laughs> the I people agree. have spoken your kids or friends could be special guests cammy is the co-host i don't really honestly care that much sign jenny well the thing is co-hosts get paid a lot more Oh, well, then I do care all of a sudden. They get big cigars. Speaking of which, we need to light <laughs> oh, our cigars. Oh, yeah, got to light these. You know, last week we um, we mentioned um, uh, getting chairs, possibly, and no one commented on that. <laughs> we'll, I think... just, we'll just keep on <laughs> talking about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I think people are like, oh, um, I really like listening as long as it's free. Which is fine. But that might have been, um, like, overextending our relational equity. Yeah, a little too soon. Give it another year. Um, so I don't have any more comments to read because, really, there weren't a lot from last time. But, sorry, we're lighting our cigars here, which is uh, a bit challenging. Well, smoking, I'm trying to reach for the matches. And tonight, there is a bit of a 
snafu with by the way do you know what snafu stands for situation all fucked up well first of all <laughs> it's spelled snafu s-n oh oh situation normal all fucked up yep it's a military term that basically imp uh, goes to like explain a situation where like everything's just like totally fine one second and the next second it's just like all fucked up and there was mm -hmm. like mm. everything was like great that was our date night tonight mm. and then situate situation normal until conversation in the car on the way to the indian restaurant about sex and then enter all fucked up for the rest of the date. So Cammy wanted to be having sex right now instead of podcasting. But I'm taking one for the team. <laughs> and podcasting instead. Mm-hmm. And we released a whole vlog about what we're going through right now with scheduling a sex. If you want to know more about that, maybe someone can post the link below. Not gonna be me. If you guys aren't even gonna offer to buy me a chair, I'm not posting any links <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> this is a give and take relationship, people. Yeah. But the commenting is getting better, so I do want to let you know that I appreciate that. I guess I should say the positives. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so this podcast has been a bit of a challenge at times coming up with content because sometimes I get things come on my mind and sometimes we have these dry spells and I'm like what would be a good thing to talk about and then there's weeks like this week where it is just like the perfect gift from God appears in your lap <laughs> and you just can't you can't even pray for things like this they're so good and so I'm a member of all these like basically like ex faith community Facebook groups. Um, just kind of like to see what's going on. And I think this is where it got posted. Oh, really? Yeah, kind of like an LOL. Like, yeah. look at what these idiots are up to. Yeah. And I'm not calling them idiots. I'm just saying that's what. Um, you know, might have been going through some of these people's heads. And it's this service called PureFlix, P-U-R-E-F-L-I-X. And there was a little YouTube video that was their introduction, and I can't really do it justice. I just have to play it for you. And the visuals are, it's like the vlogging family I feel like like the picture perfect the the family your mom always wanted us to be. <laughs> it's like a white wow, guy and a girl. Wow. He's clean shaven. They're wearing my, clothes from the mall. Are you saying my mom's racist? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that's racist. I'm just, just kidding. She just likes white guys mm -hmm. that are clean shaven without tattoos. 
and have a few <laughs> white kids that are on like pottery barn couches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the setting. Here's the audio for you. Ah. Okay, not that one. What is going on here? Oh, man. Hi, I'm David A.R. White, co-founder and managing partner of PureFlix Entertainment. And I'm Andrew Logan White. You may know us from the roles we've played in God's Not Dead, Do You Believe, Mom's Night Out, and the newest PureFlix film, Faith of Our Fathers. But at the end of the day, my favorite role by far is that of a husband and a father. And mom and wife. Like you, our family is always looking for great movies and TV shows to share together. And like you, we're often disappointed by the content on leading networks and subscription-based services. So you can imagine how excited we are to officially announce that PureFlix is starting its own subscription-based video-on-demand service. Think of it as a Netflix for families of faith. What does this mean for you? Well, at the most basic level, it means that you'll have access to even more of the faith and family entertainment you love. PureFlix's huge catalog of quality, Christ-centered movies will be available to you at the click of a button. And that's only... Okay, so that's, that's the gist. And you wonder why <clears throat> the word faith triggers me. Now, I consider us a family of faith. Well, mm. I don't know. Cammie, I consider myself a person of faith, I guess. Uh. Cammie's getting triggered. Now, I don't exactly know what this means, this pure flicks. I mean, I can, like, guess. So the only way to figure this out is to get a membership right now. Monthly, ten ninety nine. next. Credit card payment information. Am I really doing this? Mm. Yes. Enter my just little code. Wait, you guys... just don't actually click. Well, the first month is free, so I can cancel. I just have to remember oh. to cancel this. Oh, gosh. And I'm pretty good about that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Billing address. What? Okay. Terms and conditions. Anything fancy there? You're over 18. Okay. Start membership. It's right. loading. It's scanning for purity. <laughs> Thank you. We are thrilled to have you as a member of the PureFlix community. Explore PureFlix. I have expect them to be like. Okay, so we have Explore PureFlix featured exclusively fit. on PureFlix, recently added and most watched. There's so many things to click on. I just don't know where to start. Um, maybe we'll go explore pure flicks first the com okay so it looks like netflix why it looks a lot like netflix do i not recognize any oh, fireproof i always I wanted to watch that, that. how it's to train your you recognize puppy no husband what so wait what does that say how to train your husband how to train no that one not that one how to that tra one. train your husband rated g one hour 25 minutes a marriage therapist attempts to fix her own marriage by focusing on how to change her husband i'm not judging um, uh, good luck with that um okay so this top row these there appear to be a bunch of um like what basically look like hallmark movies 
they look really bad and i'm i guess i'm kind of this isn't going to be a fair review just to be like like we're biased okay if, if you didn't know mm -hmm. that exclusively okay so there's wow eternal salvation do you believe oh there's a okay there's a whole you know how uh netflix has categories like popular in your area this category is called answers in genesis and i don't want to make fun of this too much because i kind of have some more serious points to make but we gotta make fun of it a little bit oh ken ham has this whole thing here Okay, so basically they have all these things like probably debunking dinosaurs and science and stuff. Recently added, this should be like the super hip stuff. There's a series called Pure Talk. A lively original talk show from pureflix.com that tackles today's hottest topics from a Christian perspective. Okay, so their little thing is that this is like wholesome, fan, family friendly. This is not going well. Okay, they have VeggieTales and her kids' choice. I, I have a soft spot for VeggieTales. Oh, where the red fern grows too. Oh, so they have. So that can't be as good as where the fern, red fern grows one, which certainly is not as good as the book. Mm. That's my favorite book as a child, but I recognize that title at least. Mm-hmm. There's a whole. Uh, thing called sermons and ministry okay this has got to be really boring for you um so we, we got to get off <laughs> Moving this right along. okay that we did our thing there but from their about section it says our purpose is simple pure flick streams wholesome movies tv shows and more your entire family will enjoy we'll come back to the word wholesome our mix of family friendly and wholesome entertainment Includes movies for all ages, kids, animated titles, documentaries, how-tos, hobbies, educational, health and fitness, sports, outdoors, and travel, plus many inspirational and devotional titles. It's all delivered in the highest resolution possible. We provide a wholesome viewing experience. Man, they really like that word, wholesome. For your entire family that is fun, entertaining, inspirational, and educational. Wholesome Flix doesn't have quite the same ring as Pure Flix. <clears throat> So, let's talk about this. I feel like if I talk about this, I'm just going to not be very nice. So, maybe you should talk about what it. What would you say that's not nice? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of afraid to get into it. But Well, so as the host, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to prod you with... Uh, I, f I feel like this is an exclusivity sheltering from the world type site trying to they said something that they're trying to change culture but for me I feel like it's actually trying to hide away from it uh, what do you mean um I don't know. Just that it's it's this exclusive site for Christians, but I would say a certain brand um, that have a certain set of beliefs that you can be tainted by the world and by watching things that don't have the purity code 
So I think where I get triggered, I have a beef with this. I have a big beef with this, actually. And it kind of comes down to how this particular brand of faith defines pure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I have some readings that I'm going to do just from books that have been inspirational from us recently. So this is a book called Things Hidden by Richard Rohr. The uh, subtitle is Scripture as Spirituality. So if you're not a spiritual person, I think you'll be okay. Because we're not going to, I mean, we're talking about our background here, but but this is, everyone's invited to this conversation. So this is just a paragraph I'm going to read from page 29. He writes, the word sin has so many unhelpful connotations in most of our minds that it's very problematic today. For most of us, it does not connote a state of alienation or separateness. Instead, it connotes little naughty behaviors and personal moral unworthiness. So if we're going to even like use the word sin, what he's kind of saying, I think, reading between the lines, is the biggest sin would be separation from God or people. So that's like a really different thing, though, than what this website is saying when it's saying wholesome, which I think wholesome is like AKA no sin included. I think that's basically what they're saying. It's like Mm -hmm. sin free. Well, and it's a certain behaviors that are sin, like watching R rated movies. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's what this definition for this paragraph says. It is not, you know, the problem that people it says is that it denotes or connotes naughty behaviors and personal moral unworthiness, which is not at all what sin was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Little naughty things. Yeah. And this website, it looks like, my guess is just knowing the history of these things, is it revolves around movies that don't say bad words. They don't show people dying. They don't show sex. They don't show... Did I already say swear words? Nudity. Nudity. Duh. They probably don't show drug use. So it's like Truman Show, which isn't real. And and the difficult thing is it comes across as being wholesome or good just because it excludes those things, even if it doesn't teach you how to truly mend relationships on a global level especially let's just say with people who do those things which is i would beg to say the entire world well it at least that's what jesus point was it's more of a setting apart of yourself from those people who would taint you or those behaviors that would taint your morality so having our channel titled Fight for Together, this really does piss me off because I think Jesus' message and religion and faith is actually all about relationship, relationship with God and relationship with people. And that which is sinful or dangerous or damaging or whatever you would call it is that which is damaging to relationships. And <clears throat> this Christian culture has kind of like culturally appropriated that phrase of wholesome and 
sin and danger and all these things and basically took it to be like, oh, as long as you don't say bad words or show any tits, then you're wholesome. And they're basically drawing all sorts of lines. You know, I mean, I wonder how they show, like, if there's, like, the Jesus film. You know, the Jesus film just, like, shows Jesus' life and he, like, hung out with prostitutes, right? Well, they shouldn't show that in, on the website because that's not wholesome, is it? Hmm. No. So here's another paragraph on page 77. Jesus is too interested in moral purity because he knows that any pre preoccupation... Oh, sorry. I totally botched that. I know. I like, Jesus wait. is not... That was actually an accident. Jesus is not too interested in moral purity because he knows that any preoccupation with repressing the shadow does not lead us into personal transformation, empathy, compassion, or patience, but invariably into one of two certain paths, denial or disguise, repression or hypocrisy. So Jesus came on this earth, and, and I grew up reading the Bible. Maybe not everyone did, but it's a bit shocking, like what, not just what he said, but what he didn't say. So he hung out with prostitutes, like I already said. That's some of my favorite examples, because that's the perfect opportunity for him to be like yo bitch uh get a real job put some clothes on straighten yourself up um you know i don't want to see you out here next time here's 20 bucks which is what more or less what it felt like i ought to do when i was in that religious world <clears throat> you certainly wouldn't talk to them like an equal and ask them for their advice and relationships or or just hear them out you know, because that could be seen as encouraging what they were doing. And Jesus got accused of this kind of thing all the time. But what Richard Rohr is saying in this book is he wasn't obsessed with any moral purity. Like, he didn't push that on anyone because he knew that when you become obsessed with that, you push the dark sides of us. He calls it the shadow. It leads, it doesn't lead to more empathy when you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I don't look at porn. I don't look at porn. I don't look at porn. You look at porn? I don't look at porn. It leads to denial, disguise, repression, and hypocrisy. Which, that last one, hypocrisy, that seems to be like what the church is the most known for. Yeah. In our day and age. I find Christians like to use the example where Jesus tells the adulterous woman to sin no more as an example well did he upholded that not to commit adultery but that wasn't his point <laughs> his point was actually to show the other people that were ready to throw the stones that they're all in the same boat and and when he said sin no more it's interesting using that definition of sin he could just be saying don't be separate from god anymore so this is the last line from this book I'm going to use. It's from page 92, and it says, Insiders are by nature dualistic because they divide themselves from the so-called outsiders. So Should we define dualism? Yeah, why don't you talk about uh, our history with dualism and learning about it as I relight my cigar. Yeah, dualism, we found out that it just means that you believe in black and white right and wrong you see the world in binary categories 
Um, and as we have stepped away from that religious, those religious beliefs, we've entered in more to what's called non-dualism, where you just, you see things, I, I guess the best way to put it is in gray, but you just don't see things in categories as much. Um, I think there, there's probably somewhat of a spectrum going on as far as like entering into that. It's like a whole shift of consciousness where you, you see the world just really differently. Um, it's not them against us. It's, oh, we're all in this together. There's not this, these separations that we put. So, and this is what he's saying. Insiders are by nature dualistic because they divide themselves from the so-called outsiders. So what's happening anytime you create an identity out of morality and you're like, okay, this is who I am. I'm a vegan or I don't steal or I'm don't use bad words or even like or I vaccinate or I'm a nice guy <laughs> you know I mean people divide the world into that they're like I'm a nice guy those are assholes over there and Jesus approaches things a little bit more it's a little more complicated it's like okay we all have a little bit of asshole inside of us mm-hmm. and we all have some goodness inside of us that goes for the horrors and that goes for uh, Ted Bundy and that goes for Adolf Hitler and we all have we all have a little bit of and Adolf Mother, Hitler Mother Teresa inside of us yeah and what pisses me off about this type of website is it i think it promotes this mindset that there's a group of wholesome people and there's a group of wholesome entertainment and if you start going into unwholesome entertainment then by definition you have to address the people that are using unwholesome entertainment the people that are creating it and the people that are um, starring in it or, you know, making it. And they're now outsiders. They're unwholesome people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just have these categories apply to things. They also apply to the people that make the things and use the things. If any of those actors ever got a job acting in a Netflix film, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, you can't act for us anymore. Sorry. <laughs> that. You lost me. What What are you saying? <laughs> I just was thought that was that'd be kind of funny and sad. So this is from another book that we read recently. It's called The Wisdom Jesus by Cynthia Boregalt. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. And I thought this was really interesting. This is, she takes a stab at defining purity. And, and this definition of purity really... <clears throat> really kind of was something I'd never heard before because Jesus did say this thing, blessed are the pure. And then she writes in parentheses, that is single of heart. Um, but who would have believed that he is not talking about perfecting one's virtue, but about upgrading the operating system. So, And she develops a longer paragraph. But her whole point is that when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, we took it to mean like moral code. Like, and keep in mind that moral code is not what we practice now. The people that were oppressing Jesus 
and that he was speaking about or that made this assumption then, I mean, they had a million crazy laws that they were following having to do with women being on their period and having to go outside of town to like not wearing certain types of cloth and not ha- cutting certain types of hair on your head and all these things that I think may have had their place in that culture, but we would look at them now and be like, that's crazy. But they're all <clears throat> to get into a right standing with God. That's like, what the that's people the, thought. The purpose, yeah. And that's why they people thought they were so important. So when Jesus came along and said, blessed are the pure in heart, what a lot of people applied it to mean is like, oh, nowadays it's like, okay, don't say bad words. Yeah. And don't smoke pot and don't have sex at this time don't with that person. wear really short skirts. When what this author is saying that Jesus was actually saying was like, pureness is more about singleness of mind. And it's actually about upgrading your operating system from having an egoic operating system, operating out of ego and identity. So basically operating out of your mind versus operating out of your heart. To to seeing a higher plane of spirituality. Yeah. And I'm, I actually, the more I've thought about this, and this has been fairly recent for us, like the last six months we've been exposed to this type of literature, I'm like, that makes so much more sense than Jesus basically preaching strictness because he wasn't very good at following the codes ever. That's what one of the things people really didn't like about him. That's why he got killed <laughs> because he didn't follow the codes <laughs> he was supposed to follow. Okay, so we got two more readings, two more other sources I'm going to be <clears throat> talking about for today. One is from this book that I've been reading. Um, I just finished it. It's called Shameless by Oh, you just finished it. Nadia Boltz Weber, cool. A Sexual Reformation. It had sex in the title, so I thought I'd be interested, and it was it was okay. Um, but there's this thing on page twenty six and twenty seven. And it says, Jesus kept violating boundaries of decency to get to the people on the other side of the boundary, those who'd been wounded by it, those who were separated from the others, the motherless, the sex workers, the victims, and the victimizers. He cared about real holiness, the connection of things human and divine, the unity of sinners, the coming together of that which was formerly set apart. So... I just want to read that first line again. Jesus kept violating boundaries of decency to get to the people on the other side of that boundary. This is what pissed people off. I mean, you know, there's that, what is it, the sixth commandment that says um, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy or something like that. Jesus broke that like blatantly. Almost like on purpose. I mean, this is one of the Ten Commandments. I don't think people realize, like, who wrote the Ten Commandments? God. Who did Jesus say he was? God. And then he appeared to, like, give a middle finger to the law. I mean, this was the definition of decency, was these rules. So we have a couple ways we can make sense of this as people of faith. Um, One is to say Jesus was, like, 
just a reckless kind of idiot and he didn't follow the rules and therefore he wasn't God. But if, if we want to have any, you know, sense of cohesion and say, well, he was God and, and that's something I actually believe, but we don't have to get into that. Then the only other definition that I know of is to say, well, maybe he followed the rules, but the rule was much deeper than what we thought it was. It was never about moral strictness. It actually was about love. And that's what he kept on telling people is like the only rules basically are, or all the rules point to love God and love your neighbor. And we kept on making it about not using fucking swear words and not showing tits and not showing violence and not showing divorce and, and drugs. That is loving your neighbor only. <laughs> when that is what puts a boundary up in between us and our neighbor. And our neighbor is like any human. Mm-hmm. So that's what is so frustrating to me about this website. I don't think this is a, a neutral thing anymore, you guys. I used to think, oh, live and let live, like, you know, these people can have their beliefs, but coming from this belief system, when I was in it, I feel like I had, I don't think I was like overtly oppressive towards others, but I wasn't empathetic. I, I certainly couldn't be loving because I primarily define people by their actions, just like this website is primarily defining a movie <clears throat> by the number of four letter words in it mm -hmm. and they're feeling better about themselves i mean look how happy these people look in this fucking trailer they look like they're just like got done making the world a better place for them and their kids and their family when really well the, ironically they're saying we're trying to make a christ-centered world when jesus never asked for their version of a christ-centered world <laughs> i call bullshit Mm -hmm. So this final um, thing that I'm going to read is from one of my favorite essays of all time. This is um, an essay called Why Work by Dorothy Sayers. And it's a free PDF you can get online. I'll put links to all these books in the show notes. Um, but this PDF... I, I actually just would highly recommend it to everyone. Well, I don't know. Maybe people of faith. I don't know how it would apply to people who don't use faith because she comes from a faith perspective. So, but it's free. So at least if you hate it, you know, all you lost is your time. <laughs> um, but on page five of the way I printed this out, um, so she's asking this question, like, why should Christians specifically work? Christians who are saying that, like, you know, God is the most important thing in their life. And she says the type of question that she should ask before she starts a job is, will it exercise my faculties to the utmost? Meaning, will it, like, exercise your full potential? <clears throat> That's how she determines if basically someone is doing good art or if someone is doing good work. Hmm. 
which is the reason this is a response article, you guys, to I think like the day and age where people were saying Christian work is the type of work that happens in a church or, you know, that happens when you're making Bibles or categorizing work. Yes. Yeah. So therefore, there's like non-Christian work, which is like cleaning toilets and building cabinets or mowing lawns. Being a business person. Being a business person. And then there's Christian work, which is basically saying the word God and talking about heaven and shit like that. And she's saying, no, actually, what defines good work or Christian work, which she's not saying is just done by Christians, we'll get into that in a little bit, is any work that you do where you're using your everything. Hmm. You're using the most of basically what you've been given. Which, to translate to these movies, these movies are just shitty movies. I mean, it just looks like those, like, B, what do you call them, B movies? You know, where they're all, like, sub-quality. And I'm not even talking about, like, low funding. Because, like, I believe you can have low funding. I mean, our documentary for the Appalachian Trail didn't cost anything. I mean, it cost us time, but but I was really proud of how it turned out because we put everything into it. And I feel like it's a pretty kick-ass little documentary. I'm not trying to brag here, but um, but I feel like it was like good, but it wasn't good because we didn't have sex scenes in it. I just couldn't figure out how to get the sex scenes in there. <laughs> um, two other quotes from this thing. One is, but is it astonishing how can anyone remain interested in religion which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of his life? The church's approach to an intelligent carper, carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. So... This once again speaks to that categorization where Christians are like, oh, what happens at church? That's God's thing. And then basically what happens outside of church is not, it's like worldly. It's like unwholesome. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, how can one remain interested in a faith which has no concern for nine-tenths of their life? Or I would say nine-tenths of the people on the planet. Mm -hmm. If most of the planet is filled with gays and lesbians and people that swear and people that do drugs and people that people of other religions that smoke cigars people. i mean not that bad or cigarettes someone on our um you see that comment yeah where someone is like how can these kids their parents smoke cigarettes, cigarettes. around them i was like poor those kids aren't, those aren't cigarettes those are cigars jeez lady <laughs> get it right if you're gonna diss us get it right But the best way someone can be a Christian is by making a damn good table. And it doesn't then even matter if they're a Christian by her definition. No. I mean, she's not saying that's what makes you a Christian or whatever. No. Like, But she's saying that's the Christian thing to do, the godly thing to do. It's not about him not it's having tattoos. It's actually respecting yourself <laughs> by making good tables. Like taking, and respecting God. And, and respecting other people who you're going to be selling these tables to. Okay, so this is a long section. Strap your seatbelts on. 
The official church wastes time and energy and moreover commits sacrilege in demanding that secular workers should neglect their proper vocation in order to do Christian work, by which she means ecclesiastical work. Okay, that's fancy church language for work within the church. The only Christian work is good work well done. Let the church see to it that workers are Christian people and do their work well as to God then all the work will be Christian work, whether it is church embroidery or sewage farming. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. When my play, The Zeal of Thy House, I don't know what that is, was produced in London, a dear old pious lady was much struck by the beauty of the four archangels who stood throughout the play in their heavy gold robes, 11 feet high from wingtip to sandal tip. She asked with great innocence whether I selected the actors who played the angels for the excellence of their moral character, unquote. <clears throat> I replied that the angels were selected to begin with, not by me, but by the producer, who had the technical qualifications for selecting suitable actors, for that was part of his vocation, and that he selected in the first place young men who are six feet tall so that they would match properly together. Secondly, angels had to be of good physique, so as to be able to stand stiff on the stage for two and a half hours carrying the weight of their wings and costumes without wobbling or fidgeting or fainting. Thirdly, they had to be able to speak verse well in an agreeable voice and audibly. Fourthly, they had to be reasonable good actors. When all these technical conditions had been fulfilled, we might come to the moral qualities, of which the first would be the ability to arrive on stage punctually and in a sober condition since the curtain must go up on time and a drunken angel would be in indecorous. <laughs> Bad. After that, and <laughs> only after that, one might take character into consideration, but that provided his behavior was not so scandalous as to cause dissension among the company. The right kind of actor with no morals would give a far more reverent and seemly performance than a saintly actor with the wrong technical qualifications. Oh, then she says, oh, this is fascinating. The worst religious films I ever saw were produced by a company which chose its staff exclusively for their piety. Bad photography, bad acting, and bad dialogue produced so, a result so grotesquely irreverent <laughs> that the pictures could not have been shown in churches without bringing Christianity into contempt. Dang. Final sentence. God is not served by technical incompetence, and incompetence and untruth always result when the secular vocation is treated as a thing alien to religion. <clears throat> okay, so to summarize, I think you got that. Sorry for this long reading, but basically she writes this play, and she's a woman of faith, so that it's in a church and a play, and then the lady says, oh, did you pick the actors basically if, if they're – did you pick Christians basically to act? She's like, no, I picked good actors, people that were six feet tall, looked badass, could stand up and not show up drunk. And she says, speak well. the most it. honoring thing to God for a Christian. I mean, she's a Christian. So, you know, once again, you guys, for this, I don't, you don't have to be a Christian to understand these concepts or to jive with them. I actually just want to be able to identify what Christianity even is in its accurate form. And then you can decide if you agree with it or if you disagree with it. Like uh, that goes beyond the scope of our discussion here. But I feel like these people, they're presenting it as something that it's it's terrible. It's like not at all. It's not what Jesus presented it as. And it's really sad. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that the film thing is really fascinating, that part. Because <laughs> it does remind me of Christian films. And I'm like, I'm actually listening to this podcast now called Labeled. And it's all about the early days of Tooth and Nail, which was a record company that I was in love with when I was in high school. I mean, it had like these Christian, it was a Christian hardcore and punk bands record when I was in Southern California. And it tells the history of this, which is just going down nostalgia lane for me. But there was all this controversy among these bands who would basically go on tour and, and play in churches. And the the promoters putting on the show, which were usually like the pastors, would get pissed if the band didn't talk about Jesus or like give a little sermon or like have an altar call. And the band was like, we just came here to play music, dude. And, and basically the pastor, that wasn't good enough. Like it wasn't Christian if it didn't have a explicit Christian message, AKA a sermon. Like in other words, they couldn't just be carpenters. Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't just play music. So I just have to fit this in there just because I have to. Our family is watching Game of Thrones now, and it's been really fun. And my perspective on this has changed as we've gone through our faith evolution for the last five, six, seven, eight years, because I wouldn't have allowed myself to watch this before because it seemed really bad. I mean, there was like all this sex and nudity and incest and violence, and I wasn't really so hung up on the violence, but it seemed like it lived, presented a life that I didn't feel comfortable watching. <clears throat> and and I think a number of things have changed, a lot of what we've presented already tonight. But what started to change as I started to not believe that Jesus' mission on earth was to morally separate us from that which is... Um, impure in a religious sense in fact that's what he came to save us from that the needing to separate ourselves um we started to see good aspects of game of thrones like and i would say not save us from but show us that there's another way to live that's what i mean okay um we started to see game of thrones in a different way we started to see oh I think the cinematography is amazing. Like, the art is really cool. I think for a cultural timepiece, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's a fantasy, but it's there's interactions. It's like um, a time period of history in the fiction world where I could see this happening, you know, like these monarchies and these lords and serfs and knights and honor codes and brutal violence and simplistic, illiterate farmers um and better than almost any show i've seen it just got me in touch with that type of humanity which i think is really important to understand and of course there's all these like soap opera level um relational dynamics where you have brothers and sisters fighting and people are fighting over this throne and whatnot and i I really enjoyed that complexity. I enjoyed navigating it, figuring it out, understanding it, trying to decide like whose side am I on? What do I believe? Which characters are right or wrong? And that type of thing. And 
a number of years ago, I came across this article, and the article is titled, I Don't Understand Christians Watching Game of Thrones. And this would have been a great article if that was the whole article. It really should be... I understand why Christians watch Game of Thrones, and this is why I disagree with it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he's saying. The, ti- the, the article should be titled, Christians should not, real Christians should not watch Game of Thrones, or they go to hell or something. So I, I really can't read this because it's too triggering for me, but I'll see how far I can get. This will not be a long post because the issue doesn't seem all that complicated. <laughs> I'm already triggered. That's like the first fucking line. (laughs) He's like, oh, this is super simple. I got this, guys. (laughs) I don't understand Christians watching Game of Thrones. Okay, that's your title. You just... Okay. (laughs) Whenever there is a new episode, my Twitter feed overflows with people talking about Game of Thrones. First off, I'm always amazed that this many people have HBO. And not Pure Flix. (laughs) It didn't exist then, so they should have been giving their money to the church. But second... And much more importantly, I'm always amazed at the number of people I respect, smart people, serious Christians, good conservative thinkers, are obviously watching and loving the series. True, I haven't seen it. Not an episode. Not a scene. Just so you know. I hardly know anything about the show. I'm that (laughs) awesome. I know many people consider it absolutely riveting, full of compelling characters and engrossing story and excellent acting, writing, and aesthetics. But isn't it also full of sex? question mark okay that's all i can read but basically what he's saying is all of those things compelling characters engrossing story excellent acting writing and aesthetics are all canceled out by sex graphic sex it doesn't he doesn't even say graphic. he just says sex well he says so there is graphic sex yeah but that's just a fascinating take on and I you know I'm not even going to talk about if that type of sex is good or bad to watch because I have my questions about it especially with our kids but this I think is the approach that Christians have taken towards art and I think it sucks which is it can be awesome and amazing and beautiful and you can be talented as hell but you're showing a nipple so I'm boycotting it hmm And it's this trumped up level of morality that says that my code overrules good art, everything else. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is a huge mistake. I don't think it's what Jesus taught. And getting into some of the readings we did today, I think this separates us from reality, from ourselves, because there's a shadow self in all of us. Where this guy's acting like he doesn't give a shit about sex. And I get it. Like, if you don't want to, you know, this is this was my beef with Christian. Um, I don't know what to call it, but let's just say the Christian culture for a long time is they acted like they were above it. And like it was almost irrelevant. And what I would rather say is like, man, sex is it kicks ass. Like, it's really fun to watch. Can we just say that? It's like really interesting. Like watching people fucking like. There's some cool things about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it has some negative side effects. And maybe we should do it or maybe we shouldn't. Like, I don't know. That's an interesting conversation. But first, let's say it's pretty cool. 
Like, yeah. it's interesting. Like, there's a reason why. Well, this just further designates sex as bad. This, this type of talking about it in this article, which that pisses me off. So that's all we got for you today, guys, with um, with this whole business. Pure Flix, get your free membership. Use coupon code Fight for Together to get your for real. No, oh, please. I just want to pretend like we have a sponsor <laughs> or something, and we're a legitimate <laughs> podcast. Um. Mm. Oh crap! We don't have much time here because our battery's low. Okay, but it is time. For where's my little note card go? Dang it. We have our phone things, but I don't know what button to push anymore. Is it this one? Nope. I think it's there we go. I got it. Alright, first phone call. One more thing. Thank you for today's episode. I found it to be very refreshing and really positive. It made me so happy I wanted to hug you guys. You mentioned wanting to have dialogue, so here's my story. I am Catholic, however, I grew up in a progressive church. I grew up in an area of New Jersey that is very secular, so the priest only ever talked about love and forgiveness and God's love and forgiveness because he was just happy people were there. We had multiple gay couples and single, single Udwin mothers in our church, and that was just the norm. However, I'm older, he's retired, and I've moved. Um, I've had a lot of difficulty attending other churches because the priests are preaching about morality and how we are sinners. I didn't grow up hearing this. Uh, this has led me on my own spiritual journey. I really appreciate hearing your journey because it often feels wrong to me to explore. Listening to you has helped normalize this spiritual exploration process. Very cool. cool. Yeah, thanks for leaving that message. That was obviously the second part of a message that I think the first part we answered in a previous episode mm-hmm. so i don't want to deal with it but all right here's the next question hi cammy and ben um a question for your question segment um i'm kind of wondering since your parenting styles have changed so much over the years from the sounds of it um you've become much more flexible and understanding and kind of have like a two-way uh two-sided situation where you like really listen um and adapt to your children's perspectives um as opposed to kind of like a, i'm the parent i know everything blah 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 situation i was just wondering if your older children um are like observant of this and have noticed these changings and changes sorry and if they have any feelings about how their younger siblings have such a different experience like are they resentful or are they like um you know just anything like that awesome thank you Dang it. You know, I forgot this question was on here because I was going to actually have Dove come down and mm. I thought that would have been fun. She, oh. she could have been our special guest. I know. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. Uh, Dove, our oldest, has voiced some... Um, I, you know, I just think she just notices that Rainier gets away <laughs> with a lot more than she felt like she did. Um, and cause we're just not as strict with him, um, and don't, yeah, things. And so I think she, it, I have felt that she has some misgivings about that, but this is all just, I've tried to talk it through with her and she, she thinks, oh, it's fine. It's fine. But I, I think, think she has resentment about it. Yeah. That's probably going to come out later. I, I don't. 
right now it's probably more of a maybe she's not as aware about it yeah the thing um, with our kids and I've, I've seen this with other people's kids is you can't ask them if things are cool and then always trust their answer i mean or let me rephrase it this way it's not a permanent answer you know they have the right to change their mind and i think mm-hmm. you know so our kids are pretty cool in that they're pretty kind and and they get it on one level now so we ask them hey are things cool like you know, we say we're willing to apologize, and they're like, no, no, it's great. It's fine. We, we understand. Mm-hmm. But they also haven't lived life outside of our mm-hmm. house. Right. And I think when they live life outside of our house and they see other people and other families and other ways of doing things, if it was anything like my leaving, that's when I really started to get pissed and be like, wait a second. Like, why did I have this? And why didn't I have this? And I kind of al- allowed myself to question more. So I'm just expecting that. To well, happen. you have more safety and distance when you move away. Your parents aren't over you and they're not a part of your livelihood. And I think that'll that helps kids be more honest. <laughs> but what I'm telling myself is a lot of this has come up since we've changed things. So like Rainier will get away with things and I'll notice that she's kind of pissed. She takes it out on him a bit. And she's like, well, he's a brat because he's getting away with this. I wasn't allowed to get away with this. And I don't think this would be as much of an issue if we hadn't changed things and if we were still strict with Rainier. But I think it would be a bigger issue later on mm. in life. So I think we brought this change upon ourselves. And anytime you do disrupt the system, it can cause people to like kind of wake up from their trance. So we're just... You know, I kind of want our kids to get a little bit pissed with the way we did things. Yeah. Because I think parts of it were unhealthy. That would be normal. Um, And we want them to be honest. As honest as they can now and honest in a different way later. Hi, Ben and Cammy. It's Jamie again. Um, I was going to call you last week, but I was away. I actually had my birthday. So I'm now the 27-year-old bisexual from Australia. Um, What I wanted to talk to you about today was um, the past and reflecting on the past. Um, So I was once in one of those uh, controlling relationships that you were talking about in this week's podcast, funnily enough. And uh, they, yeah, he, he really did affect my growth in fact I think we both affected each other's growth but that's another thing but um it was a really dark two and a half years uh and um I have a journal from that time and I'm trying to decide currently whether I should get rid of it or not get rid of it as part of cleaning up my house um because on one hand I have like it's evidence for me it's evidence of how far I've come it's evidence of that time when I have doubts about, oh, did this really happen? You know, was it really as bad as I think it is? Because, you know, as perspective happens, you go, oh, yeah, but I could have, I'm a stronger person now. I wouldn't be reacting in that situation the way I did. I probably wouldn't have stayed in that relationship the the length that I did. But I wasn't at that point in my personal growth back then. So it's a good reminder to myself, this is the headspace I was in. This is, you know, I wasn't a judgment on myself. That's just how I was. Um... But on the other hand, it's like, 
why am I lugging this thing around? Is it just weighing me back? Is it holding me down? And if I get rid of it, am I just getting rid of the bad parts of my past if I keep this notebook and not another notebook? And, yeah, it's just how I create, curate rather, my my notebooks and which ones I keep and which ones I don't keep and and what reflection that has on what I'm like growing and learn I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all but it's basically about how do I curate my lessons that I've learned in a way that benefits me today and is this notebook a benefit to me today I'm not expecting you to have the answer to that um, but it's just saying it's something that I'm reflecting on and trying to work out whether or not I keep it or not it's, it goes between both ideas in the moment very quickly um, so I was just wondering how you reflect on your past and what things you keep from your past and how you use that to help benefit you today. Um, hope you're both having a lovely time and um, catch you later. Bye. Thank you, Jamie. I'm going to go grab the power cord. You I have a story. I was in an abusive relationship when I was between 13 and 16 with a youth pastor and I had all these letters from him and when I turned 18 and kind of became pretty angry with uh, about the whole situation I made a pretty rash decision and just decided to throw all of them out and I don't actually fully regret that because that was kind of where I was at that maybe I needed that but now that I'm now 38 and a lot of years have passed and a lot of growth has passed for me, there's been times I wished I had those letters just to be able to reflect on that p time period in my life. Um, just to be able to see how that was actually a part of my life that was significant. It wasn't all bad. Um, and I don't know, maybe I could have read them again once and then decided, yeah, I'm going to throw these out now. But I kind of wish I had at least a chance to read them again at this point. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's a pretty personal decision and I don't think there's a right or, or wrong answer. I, one of the things I'm learning though now is Sometimes going into your past can be helpful, um, but usually it's not. It's only helpful if you're actually trying to like uh, deal with trauma and um, just certain actual specific things that are inhibiting your growth now. But for the most part, dwelling in the past and dwelling in the future has proven pretty unhelpful for me. Yeah, that's a... <clears throat> That's a great question. I love how in her questions she acknowledges that it was mutual unhealth too. I think that's a great way of, of taking ownership and power and what you can do about the future. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a couple stories. Um, you know, I'm like neurotic about keeping historical things. I mean, I have... Now with this vlog that we've created the videos, I have terabytes and terabytes of video footage from years ago. And it's like, it's like too much, you know? It's like, 
it almost becomes a job to just like store it and categorize it and then back it up and then worry about it. And part of me just wants to delete all of it. But then like just recently I got the um, like inspiration to create a mini documentary and tell a story of something that's been going on for the last three years. And I'm really glad that I have that footage now. But part of that is because I'm a storyteller, like by profession or craft or trade. Like that's what we do with these vlogs and our videos is tell stories. And it's it's an art that I am extremely passionate about. And, and specifically, we tell stories of ourselves. Um, so having video footage of ourselves directly facilitates that. But from another angle, um, you know, there's like when I got back from the Appalachian Trail, we did this five or six month hike and I got back and I saw my closet and I saw all these clothes that I had kept. And there was like 15 t-shirts that I had, 12 of which were like nostalgic for me. They represented relationships and businesses and projects that I had done that I like never wanted to forget. And I was like protective of these t-shirts. Like I wanted to take care of them and I kind of wanted them to last forever to preserve this memory and these good times. And finally, I just felt like I had to like throw them away. So I didn't, I like asked my kids if they wanted them and they all wanted them, but a few got thrown away, but it was really helpful for me to let go of them and move on. And like Cami said, just, I didn't realize how much they are holding me back in the past. And we're both a lot more about just being in the present nowadays and believing that focusing too much on the future, too much on the past, it really robs you of being in the present. So I don't know. I hope those stories maybe give you some inspiration of a, some ways to think through that, but I could see going either way on it. I have a lot of journals from earlier and they do serve a reminder for me of how far I've come, which is cool. Um, I think if, if I'm ever kind of doubting, oh, I'm not growing or, you know, and then I just look back in these journals and again, no judgment towards my past self, but wow, I've come a long way. That's cool. And like, I don't know, one other thought that's been helpful for me is there's not going to be any cosmic test or quiz or court case where we have to produce all this evidence of what really happened and get it right. And I say that mostly to myself because I think that's what I always had. Like I was like, oh, I want to be prepared for this thing that could happen in the future. Like I don't want to forget. I don't want to let it go just in case I need to be ready and have this thing. And it's actually like, no, I don't. Like if the best I have is some memory where I was like, you know, I think this happened, but I don't know. I think that'll be okay. And, you know, I, I suppose there's a few things we got rid of that I regret. I, I regret getting rid of your wedding dress because I thought, oh, it'd be cool if one of our daughters could wear it. Mm -hmm. But then it's also like, fuck it, I guess we'll figure out plan B, right? I mean, we're not yeah. going like, to cry about it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for the questions. Yeah. That's all for today. If you want to leave a question, this is actually crap this is so important this is episode 24 next week is the last episode so what do you mean the last episode of first season oh first season that's right 
So if you want to, you have two days from the date this is published to leave a special message that tells your story of a way that this podcast has impacted your thoughts or how it's made you feel. And the phone number to do that at is 206-651-5744. And that and all the books and the essay and Pure Flicks for your one-month free membership is all in the show notes. Um, and this podcast is available everywhere you get podcasts for the most part. And we also have a Facebook group discussion where we go more in depth. So, um, thanks for listening guys. Thanks for all of your thoughtful questions and comments and all those types of things. And leave us a message if you want. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.